0: Sly as a fox, culture than in pop, give him his props Here is a thot, here is a box And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try Careful with the news, but when you use the take I take up Tony Fire, I mean Dire, Because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table Fantasy, fantasy round table Yeah, fantasy round table Come take a look at the crown, baby Hey, fantasy round table Fantasy, fantasy round table Whoa, fantasy round table Come take a look at the crown, baby Go
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bruning, and I'll be joined today by my co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, bringing back old-school Fantasy Football Roundtable, just the two of us today as Matt Fox is out. We will be talking about the AFC North, breaking down the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are proud to be a part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. Ton of great podcasts on there music, movies, pop culture, obviously fantasy football as well. You can find all of it on musiccitydrivein.com. We've got a podcast for everything on there. It's a great network, a ton of great fun. You can find all kinds of not just uh, audio content but written content as well as shops with all of our stuff. We've obviously got all of our really cool logos and everything on there. So definitely swing by, check it out as it is a great network to be a part of and we're, we're excited to continue growing with it. So as I mentioned, we will be breaking down the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, just me and Dennis, today. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. <laughs> All right, and we are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, If you guys are watching live, you will see that it's just me and Dennis today. Matt is taking care of some stuff, and uh, he also decided he really didn't want to talk about the two, you know, teams that nobody really likes in the AFC North. I know me and Dennis are not fans of either one of them, but before we get Uh, talking about the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, how are you doing today, Dennis? How was your Monday? How was your weekend?
2: Man, it's my first day back to work after about 10 days of vacation. Now, it's the tale of two vacations. If you ask my wife, it was probably one of the worst vacations she ever had because oh, wow. we didn't do we didn't do anything. We stayed around the house. Uh, if you ask me, it was a fantastic vacation. I didn't do anything; just hung out at the house, went, jumped in the pool when it got too hot, and just kind of relaxed.
1: So, I, I don't I know. know. There's nothing wrong with that. Ah, those are some of my favorite vacations. Like, I love going and doing stuff with my family and getting to go do all the different kinds of things we don't get to do when we're here. But then at the same time, when you just get to kind of sit around and relax and do nothing all week, man, it's glorious. So I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, that first day is always the worst day back. That, I, I do agree with you on that. Uh, so as I've mentioned... We are talking about the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, obviously, just a just a to touch on it. Uh, today was the first padded practice day for NFL teams. So, for those of you who have been watching, there's been a ton of news coming out. Obviously, haven't seen anything really big that we need to touch on. I mean, we, we got the Gerald McCoy injury for IP leagues. I believe it's a ruptured something tendon. I can't wow. remember now. Quad tendon, tendon. yeah. So he's, he's likely done for the year. I mean, I know I saw the reports of Nick Chubb leaving early. He's been being evaluated for concussion, nothing confirmed yet on if he does or doesn't have one. So outside of those, though, I didn't see much else, just a lot of different players running with the ones, twos. I'm not going to read too much into that for now. Anything that kind of stuck out to you for the news?
2: Well, I, I was a little bummed to see Hawkinson said he's not 100%. You know, his ankle's still giving him trouble. So hopefully, you know he he makes it through that okay and gets back to a hundred percent quickly. You know I know Rodney Anderson was one of our favorites and to see him get cut yeah. by Cincinnati failed his physical today. So you know it is what it is. He tore the tore the ACL in the same knee like fifteen months apart or something. It was a it was a rough uh, rough. He had a rough road ahead of him. So we'll see if he gets picked up.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see it just because I think he's a, I mean, just a phenomenal player, what he was able to do in Oklahoma when he was healthy. And obviously, you know, I think it's the same knee twice, right, that he tore that ACL in? It was, yep. it was the same knee twice? Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully he gets picked up by somebody. And we joked off air that, you know, one our luck with as much as we'd like him, he'd end up going to Washington. So right. And that would just be, I feel like, the worst place for him to land. But uh, our, I do hope that he bounces go back.
2: To, our luck, he'll go to Pittsburgh.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Well, hey, I wouldn't mind that. I'm, you know, I keep trying to fall in love with Pittsburgh players, and I, I like Juju, but that's about it. I, I just I can't seem to end up drafting anybody else on those teams. But we are going to talk about the Steelers second today, as they finished uh, behind the Baltimore Ravens. Actually, the Ravens uh, finishing fourteen and two were the only team to make the playoffs last year for the AFC, nor surprising because a lot of people were all in on Pittsburgh and. Uh Cleveland as well with the team they put together last year. Uh they did lose to Tennessee in the divisional round. Uh I don't want to say necessarily an upset. There were some people that that did pick Tennessee. I was one of them to win that game. Uh, but Baltimore did definitely look like one of the best teams last year. And so what are you expecting from their offense this year? We always hear that these teams, you know, take a step forward when they're in these in these uh schemes and everything for multiple years this is now the third year Lamar Jackson is going to be in this offense only has to play a handful of games obviously that first year full second year we saw MVP phenomenal year everybody else a couple new pieces coming in but how much do you expect this Ravens offense to get better or possibly worse in this new uh 2020 season
2: well I think it depends on what you mean by better so for instance Lamar Jackson rushed for 1200 yards last season led the team in rushing. Uh, I think that the possibility exists that he may lead the team in rushing again, but it'll be, in my estimation, somewhere in the eight to 900 yards. And I think there, you could conceivably have Jackson, Ingram, and Dobbins all rush for over 900 yards this year. Um, I, I feel like he's going to drop down from that 176 attempts. He drops, cuts 30 attempts, 35, maybe even 40. Uh, the challenge will be for him is can he stay with the efficiency he had passing the ball? I mean, they, they threw the ball the least uh, least amount in the NFL last season, but he still had 36 touchdown passes uh, because they were trying to defend the threat of his running. Uh, I, I like the way the team is set up, but Hollywood Brown has to be healthy all season. Uh, a second receiver, wide receiver, has to step up. Whether that's Boykin, uh, I hear they're bringing Des Bryant in for a physical. You know, I think you, you saw that video of Drake running that route, uh, going, yeah, yeah. Going around Twitter. <laughs> that's, to me, that's what Des yeah. Bryant's going to look like. I think. I think. you know his knees are shot. He's got. He's gotten old. I don't know. Maybe maybe they sign him. Maybe they don't. Uh, I know he's still chasing uh, ch- chasing that NFL money. I, I, I like the way the team is set up. They're, you know, they have a decent defense. They're still going to run the ball. They're a run-first team. Uh, and adding Dobbins to Ingram and Edwards and, and Jackson is going to keep them a run-first team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not expecting much of a step forward. In fact, uh, I know you guys know, as we talked about this when we ranked our quarterbacks for this year, I'm I'm expecting to take a little bit of a step back. I I don't, I I could see easily see the rushing thing you just mentioned with Lamar and him leading the lead, uh, leading the team still with like eight or 900 rushes. I don't expect him to be as efficient passing the ball. I still think he's going to be good. I mean, he proved last year he's a much better passer than a lot of us thought coming into this year. Uh, But a lot of the teams that he put up a lot of numbers against were bad teams. I, I do think that some of the, you know, I brought this up. I think, I don't think it was the quarter. I remember who I was arguing this with may not even have been on this podcast, may have been on another one, but, uh, we, we saw that they can't that, be stopped. That's kind of
2: your your hobby. You go on podcasts and argue with people.
1: Exactly. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Just so much fun. Uh, but uh, we saw Tennessee was able to do it last year, obviously, in the playoffs. But a game that a lot of people don't seem to remember is week three last year when the Browns beat up Baltimore, I believe, in Cleveland. And they did the same thing. They were able to contain Lamar rushing the ball, and he proved that he couldn't beat him with his arm. I actually know it was this podcast. I remember arguing with Matt about it because I was talking about how he got a lot of his stats toward the end of the game, and I I agree. Garbage time points don't matter for fantasy, but my point was is like up until that really in the fourth quarter is when he kind of turned it on, and if teams can do that, I don't expect him to be putting up 35 touchdowns on the little uh, the least amount of passes and everything like you talked about. It's going to be harder for him to do because we do have a now full year of him in this offense. And while he is a dynamic player, he's an MVP. He's going to be in the MVP discussion this year, no doubt. Defense is having a full year of tape on you. I do think it gives them a little bit of a chance to figure out ways to stop you. Now, will they be able to do that? I don't know, but I do think they'll be able to slow down that passing attack. Just a little bit to kind of bring Lamar back, as I mentioned, a little bit. I think I have him at five was where I ranked him. So I don't expect a huge drop off for them, but I do expect them to come back a little bit. I agree with what you said. Hollywood Brown's got to be healthy. Can someone else step up next to Brown? And we'll obviously talk about that as we continue going through this team. So their new additions this year, they brought Gus Edwards back on one year, a one-year deal. They drafted J.K. diamonds in the second round. Devin DuVernay in the third, James Prochet in the sixth, and a guy that I just want to throw on the bottom. It may not eventually be anything for him, but I, I did like him in college. Uh, Jacob Breland joined the team out of Oregon as an undrafted free agent. He is on, uh, what is it? Is it IR? I can't remember the pup list because he, he's still recovering from an ACL injury. He, he tore his ACL toward the end of his uh, last year with Oregon. Uh, so he's a, he's a guy that I really like but not someone you need to really – focus on but i I do like to talk about him he's
2: he's technically on the non-football injury list yeah because his football injury didn't happen in the nfl
1: yeah yeah correct all right so their losses this year they lost seth roberts and their expiring contracts are willie sneed and gus edwards willie sneed i don't think is a big one but gus edwards could be uh, an interesting one, uh, for especially for a player we'll talk about here in a little bit. Their fantasy finishes last year, Lamar is QB1 with 421.68 points. Mark Ingram, RB11, 242 with uh, .5. Gus Edwards, RB52 with 92.6 points. Marquise Hollywood Brown, wide receiver 46 with 146.4. Willie Sneed, wide receiver 74, 95.1. And Mark Andrews, tight end 5 with 207.2 points. So Lamar not only had a, a good rushing season, but as we just talked about, statistically, a very good passing season. Kind of feel like we both answered this just a minute ago, but just to kind of just double touch on it make sure here, do you expect him to continue to get better at that, possibly take a step back? How do you see just passing specifically going for Lamar this year?
2: Well, I think in the interest of balance, they'll probably have a few more attempts. So if he rushes forty fewer times, I feel like he's probably going to pass the ball thirty or forty, maybe even fifty more times. Uh, but he, he had a lot of pretty big plays last season. Uh, I like you. I, I still think you know you have him at five. I think I had him at two, and I think Matt had him at two as well. So you know we expect him to have a good season still. He's gonna still going to run the ball. He's going to e- elude tacklers when the, it comes to avoiding sacks. And he has shown the ability to extend plays and make some plays down the field. He just needs some more weapons to be able to take that next step in the passing game. Once he gets there and uh, that offensive line, you know, losing potent, uh, potential Hall of Famer Marshall Yanda uh, is, is a big blow to that offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to watch. We, I just don't think that touchdown percentage is going to hold up. Yeah. He could still have he could still have thirty touchdowns, but if he does it in four hundred and fifty passes instead of four hundred passes, uh, and and ends up with roughly the same amount of yardage, you know, it's going to be considered uh, a step down from last year. Uh, yeah. He just he had a phenomenal year last year.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with it as well. It's uh, it's funny to say this because I think we all expect a little bit of a step back from him just because he had such a good year. It's not necessarily a bad thing. We're not saying Lamar Jackson's a bad player or that he can't continue to be great. It's just we don't expect him to do that, which I think is fair. And we, we all said that about Patrick Mahomes. And then he goes out there, and if he doesn't dislocate his knee and only miss like a week, it seemed like, he probably still would have put up close as his numbers as he did, which is incredible to say. But I... I agree with you on that, and I don't think that if he was to, say, still throw for 30 touchdowns, as you mentioned, but it, becomes, it comes on more attempts still around the same yards is a bad thing for him. I just think, like I said, it's a little bit of a step back for him. It's not going to be a huge thing. you know. Like I said, I, I could be dead wrong on when I ranked him at 5, and he could easily be the QB 1 or 2 again this year. would not surprise me at all. I just think he does take a little bit of a step back. I think they want to – Project or protect him a little bit more and keep him from. He's definitely the player they're building around. They very smartly built that offense around his skill set. And we also didn't see him take a lot of big hits last year. I do think with the way him and that offense kind of paraded around with as good as they were and they deserve because they were lights out. Uh, I do think defenses want to come after him a little bit more this year and someone will be looking to kind of lay that big hit on Lamar. And if he starts to pile up more and more of them, do we see something happen like with RG3 where all of a sudden RG3 is dynamic, takes a bunch of big hits, and then all of a sudden those injuries start to pile up. So I do think they will try to move away from that and kind of allow the team around Lamar to help him more than having everything on Lamar's shoulders like they did last year. We do know that they can, the Ravens can get out of Ingram's contract after this year. So, do you think that this is the final year for Mark Ingram with the Baltimore Ravens?
2: Well, he's he's they're on the hook for five million if they keep him for next year, um, and only I believe one point three million in dead cap if they cut him. So, the dead cap is not uh, is not going to be difficult to overcome. I do think it's going to be his last year because I feel I think he he's going to believe he's going to have a decent year, eight, nine hundred yard season. And he's going to say, I would have had more if you look at Dobbins and his eight or nine hundred yards. If they just gave me the ball more, I'd have had thirteen, fourteen hundred yards. So he'll be looking to go somewhere where he can get the ball. You know, it's easy to forget that even though he's what, twenty nine going to be thirty next season. He's getting up there, but. Early on in his career, he split time with Alvin Kamara for what four, three seasons, and yep. and so he didn't he he was able to uh, not take the beating because he had a, a pretty dynamic back to split the ball with, so he doesn't have the mileage and the wear and tear on his uh, legs and his body that uh, some other thirty year olds do, so. He's going to be looking to stay around that four or five million dollar mark. Uh, if Justice Hill, who's on a rookie contract, shows well, it may it may give the Ravens the opportunity to go. Well, look, we've got this young guy. He's going into his third year next year. Um, we can bring in a veteran. There's going to you know there's going to be plenty of veterans that they can bring in for a million dollars. You know probably Carlos Hyde. He'd be a great one next season. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he's hitting that. Let me be, let me just be, let me get, let me get on the totem pole and let me move. Uh, I'll take, I'll take a million dollars and I'll just be there and I'll be ready to go when you need me. And and I think if Dobbins has a good year this year, like we expect, I think that's where they're going to be next year's they're going They're going to turn the reins over to Dobbins. They're going to keep bring Edwards back because he's, he fits that system and they can get him I think he's at 685 grand this year with no dead cap. they can bring him back next year for 850, 900,000. he'll get his hundred carries uh, he'll perform in garbage time when they get up ahead uh, and so it' it'll, it'll help balance that team out.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's funny that you said that about Ingram because that's kind of the exact same thing Uh, Frank Gore was just saying today too that he felt like he could have been a 1,000-yard rusher last year had the Bills just given him the ball, and I I agree with you. I think Ingram could be saying the same thing at the end of this year because we haven't – I think last year was the first year we've really seen him be a a full bell cow. I mean, Edwards had a role, but it was mostly Mark Ingram, and he did a phenomenal job. He seems to have always split time. In New Orleans. And then obviously when he came over here last year to Baltimore, it was his show for the most part. But Edwards did have a role. Uh, you did mention obviously that he's a a guy that played decent for them and they could easily bring him back. But with the role that Edwards had last year, they did resign him, as I mentioned earlier, to that one year deal with the with uh with with team options and everything. Do you think that that role goes to Dobbins now instead of Edwards, or do you think maybe Edwards starts with it and then it moves to Dobbins with the, with the weird off season? How do you see that, that second running back spot coming in behind Mark Ingram?
2: Well, I I do think Ingram is going to give up touches. I I, Edwards is still going to have a role, Um, but Dobbins is going to cut into Edwards touches and he's going to cut into Ingram's touches. Um, he's gonna you know they're basically I, I feel like they're gonna take some touches from uh, Lamar Jackson, some touches from Mark Ingram, some touches from uh, Gus Edwards and they're gonna give them to Dobbins. And then if Dobbins starts looking really good, he he they're gonna he's gonna be the guy getting the ball. Uh, he's young, he's dynamic and they drafted him as their future lead back. You know, it's up to him as to when that future is. Uh, I think if if it was Gus Edwards, I don't think they would have spent the draft capital on Dobbins. Or if it was uh, Mark Ingram, they wouldn't have spent that draft capital on Dobbins. So I I, I think we could see by the end of the season, um, Ingram being that guy who's the starting running back, but Mm -hmm. Dobbins being the guy who plays the most snaps.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. I think for me, obviously, I think they are going to lean heavily on Mark Ingram, but I also could see them doing exactly what you're talking about. Like, we saw it a lot last year, too. Like, when they got up, they were very smart about pulling out a lot of their starters uh, because there were a lot of games that they would get up fairly, you know, three, four touchdowns in the nearing the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter. And then they would pull out Lamar. They'd pull out Ingram and allow those other guys to go in and get playing time. And I do think if Dobbins – I think it is going to be Dobbins. I don't think it's going to be Gus Edwards that they send out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do lean heavier on Dobbins than they do Edwards. I'm, I'm with you. I do think it's a mixture of of uh, carries. So I was trying to think of what's a good number. So what would you – I'm – for Dobbins. What would you put over under like 95 carries this year? You think it's an easy over? You think it's right around 95 what do you think it would be for Dobbins?
2: Well, I I'm pretty comfortable with the over. Okay. Um it it's what Edwards had uh see Ingram only had 202. Yeah. Jack Jackson had 176. Uh Edwards had
1: 133. So if you take, I didn't realize Edwards had so many.
2: Yeah, if you if you take, you know, forty from Edwards, forty from Jackson, and and forty from Ingram, you know, you're at one hundred and twenty.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm actually expecting a big year for Marquise Hollywood Brown. You know, he came in last year with the Liz Frank injury in his foot. Uh, a lot of people, I think, kind of forget about that because he he did come out and kind of start off on fire, obviously, against the Miami Dolphins. I know he had the two long touchdown passes, uh, looked good at times, but did struggle throughout the year. Some of that, I'm sure, just rookie struggles. But I think that, do think the foot injury played into that a little bit. Uh, so what are you expecting from him? Do you expect him to take a giant leap forward, just a step forward, possibly even a step back? What are you expecting out of Hollywood Brown in 2020?
2: Well, he had 71 targets, caught 46 passes. Um, it's interesting because he, he did have those big plays, but he, yeah. he only had a 12.7 yard per reception. So he caught plenty of short passes as well uh, yeah. in that run. Uh, he did play in 14 games, so it wasn't like he missed a, a ton of games uh, and started 11. Uh, I think last season it was just a function of the, you know, being a rookie and that offense running through Lamar Jackson's legs. Uh, I I expect him to to hit the 100 target mark this year. Um, like I said, I think Jackson's pass attempts go from. 400 to probably 450, and and Andrews will still get his 100 uh, targets. If Jackson gets 100 targets, or not Jackson, uh, Brown gets 100 targets. You know, that's right where I, I think they'll be. So I could see Marquise Brown, if he holds true to his 65% catch rate, you know, 65 receptions for 1,000 yards, you know, six or seven touchdowns. He had seven touchdowns last year. Yeah. even though even though it seemed like he he just he didn't play a lot it, it just feels like he missed so much time but yet he still played played in 14 games started at 11 had seven yeah. touchdowns it was just simply a function of that team not passing the ball much and when they did uh, going to to mark Andrews
1: yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by all that too. And I think some of it was he—he he definitely. I know for sure he had a couple games where he had like two touchdowns. So that obviously helps when you're when you're getting up multiple touchdowns in games. Uh, But I I am expecting a little bit of a bigger year from him just because of what you mentioned. We both expected Lamar to throw the ball more. And outside of Andrews, Hollywood Brown is their next best target. It's going to be the guy that Lamar leans on the most. Uh, We we saw they had a pretty good connection deep at times last year. But as you mentioned, I do like the fact that he's not just a deep threat. He was catching a lot of short route balls as well. Uh, So I do think it's going to be heavily him and Mark Andrews. Uh, will we see a guy like Boykin carving out a role this year? He was a guy we both liked last year, thought maybe he could be that red zone target for them as they really didn't have anyone outside of Mark Andrews. Could you see that happening for Boykin this year, or do you expect another player to possibly take a step forward? Maybe not be a huge, I guess, fantasy asset because they do have Mark Andrews there with Brown, but someone that could step up for us guys in deeper, deeper leagues that could be like a wide receiver three.
2: Yeah, I think Boykin is the the favorite to do that right now. I know DuVernay is a a hot rookie name. Um, But if you look at the target distribution, Andrews had 98 targets last year. But Boyle and Hurst had over 80 targets last year. So uh, they had 180 targets to their three tight ends. I feel like Boyle is probably going to stay flat with his forty-three targets, uh, but Hayden Hurst's forty targets are going to go somewhere, and, and I think that th- uh, that's going to be the Miles Boykin, uh, Hollywood Brown. They're going to the wide receivers. Uh, I, I like Boykin. He's he's a different type of receiver than Brown. He's he's the down the field, big contested catch guy. And I know that uh, Andrews is that big guy who gets down the seam uh, and can make contested catches. Andrews, he, he's not athletic like Boykin is. Okay. Boykin has that physical profile of a number one r- wide receiver. I don't think he really will achieve that. Um, I think he'll be a good complementary receiver to to Andrews and uh, Brown but Brown is going to be their number one. So I think Brown will push for 100, 100 targets, and then you're going to have Boykin in that 60, 65 target range. It'll just depend on do they go to Boykin in the end zone. I mean, last year they had, what, 17 touchdowns to Andrews and Brown, and if we expect Lamar to regress by 6 to 30, you know, that's going to make it a little more difficult for Boykin to, to be too high uh, uh, up on the totem pole there.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the one thing that sucks as possible. If, if not Andrews, if Lamar does regress with the touchdowns. I'm with you, though, on Boykin over DuVernay. I mean, I like DuVernay. He obviously had a phenomenal senior season for, for Texas last year. Uh, but the one thing I've said multiple times, I, I do think he he's definitely a really good, I think going to be a really good slot wide receiver. I just see him and Andrews kind of playing in the same area of the field for the most part, and when it comes down to it, I think Lamar is going to go to Andrews nine times out of 10 compared to Duvernay just because of the chemistry they've already built. And Andrews can do more, do stuff out after the catch as well. He's a phenomenal athletic tight end. Uh, so I'm not expecting much out of Duvernay where Boykin gives them something completely different than all the rest of their wide receivers, which is why I'm with you. I do like Boykin. I would love to see a step forward from him this year. Like I said, we both liked him a lot last year. We're hoping maybe he could take a step uh, last year. It just didn't happen could possibly happen this year uh this is more for you because i know you're high on him how high do you think andrews can go this year can he finish as one of those top two tight ends
2: i have him at tight end one All I, right. i've had him there i'm gonna to stick to it
1: yeah i'm not I'm, mark Andrews. i i am with you i think i had him at two right behind Kittle, or maybe i had him at three i can't remember i don't know if i had kelsey ahead of him or not but i'm, I'm on him but I know he was one of the guys that. I don't want to say it was a great call because I feel like there were obviously other people, but we were both very high on Andrews last year coming into the year. Uh, and then him obviously this year, I don't expect any kind of regression from him. He's just too damn good. I, I expect him to easily continue to be right up there toward the top. Whether whether he drops to three, I don't expect him to drop past, much more past that. I do think he's, he's up there in that top tier of elite tight end. So over-unders for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson QB2 in 2020.
2: Yeah, that's what he's gonna be his QB two. Yeah.
1: So yeah, so you're gonna go over, under. <laughs>
2: well, I I I have him at two. So it it's pretty hard. I, I you know, I don't think I think Mahomes is gonna be one and I think Lamar is gonna finish ahead of Dak, who is three. So I guess I'm gonna give him two and a half.
1: So you gotta go under. Okay. Fair enough. Or no, is it over? See, I forget. Where's Matt Fox?
2: It's I a need Matt Fox. Is what
1: it is. I need Fox here to tell me what over and under is. I can't remember if over is good if, and under is bad.
2: If I, had, if I have to choose over or under, I'm going to take the over uh, and, and say that the possibility of the Cowboys throwing the ball more could push Dak, uh, Dak. up above him.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going over as well. Like I said, I've had I had him at QB five, so that was kind of a easy one for me. Wouldn't be surprised if he finishes two, but he's he's five for me right now. Uh, his ADP is twenty point three three. He is the second QB off the board, just ahead of him at Mahomes. So. You know, I feel like this is probably just a pick your poison thing in your drafts. Do I have eight shares of Mahomes or seven hair seven shares of Mahomes? Not seven hairs of Mahomes, seven shares. Uh, but how would you split it up? Would it? Would you always take Mahomes over Lamar? Would you try and split it up some to diversify? What would you do?
2: I, I I'm probably sixty forty Mahomes over Jackson. Could be 70-30, but. Uh, I, I do like Mahomes better as a, a prospect long term. So I, I would have the out of ten teams, I'm probably six to seven Mahomes, three to four Jackson.
1: Yeah, I'm with you for the most part. If Baker's still on the board, I'm probably taking Baker over Lamar, but if he's gone, then I'll definitely go Lamar Jackson. I'm just I'm just kidding by the way, but I do, I do love me some Baker. So just after Lamar is Watson, Murray, or Prescott, would you ever really take any of those three over Lamar? Is it again, most is it one of those things where like you're again, 10 teams and you've got eight or nine shares of Lamar. Would you ever just be like, you know what, let's take one of these guys just for fun. Or is it always just going to be Lamar for you?
2: Well, let's say it's 11 teams and (laughs) one of those will be Dak. Uh, I I can make I can make the case for Dak based on them throwing the ball more, his weapons being just better weapons uh, for the most part, and, and having more of them. So it, it is something where I look at it and think occasionally, you know, 10% of the time I might take Dak, 30% of the time I'll take Lamar, and 60% of the time I'll take Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I think uh, something I've learned on here, as as doing this, is a little bit of a therapy session with you and, and Mr. Fox. Is uh, you got to diversify. You cannot have Baker on all of your teams because when Baker sucks, your team sucks. So, well, I would you can, you just can't start him every week on all of your teams. Well, that's the problem. It's like I, I'm I'm one of those single QB guys, and then it ends up it ends up screwing me. So, um. I would definitely diversify. I agree with you on Prescott. I actually probably would if if I was in that situation with, as you mentioned, like 11 teams. I probably would grab a share of Watson. I would grab a couple of Murray, but I am a lot higher on him than I know you are just because I think he can kind of replicate what Lamar did. He's, he's not as fast or as shifty as Lamar, but I think he's right up there above the the Russell Wilsons and the Dax as a really good runner. I think it's Lamar separates himself, and then it's Kyler Murray right there under him. Uh, so if he can kind of improve that passing and that offense and get a little bit better, I think Murray could be really good. Uh, so I would definitely grab a couple shares of him as well. Watson, I think, too, is right there with Murray in that rushing group. Uh, but outside of that, I think it's it's mostly Lamar. You're going to take Lamar more often than not over those other guys. Uh, so Mark Ingram, RB16 in 2020, over or under?
2: Uh, I have the over.
1: As do I. Uh, ADP of 91.17. He is the 32nd RB off the board. Just ahead of him, Keyshawn Vaughn, Raheem Mostert, and Chris Carson. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: Uh, I'd take him over Mostert and probably Vaughn. Um, I can uh, – again, it's it's how's my team looking with the build. If I've got four running backs, I'm probably taking Vaughn. Um, I'm always taking Ingram over Mostert right now, uh, but I'm going to take Carson over Ingram.
1: Oh, sorry for the podcasting audience there. That no, no, my son is right here. I was trying to help him with his game. Uh, hey, so I, I am, uh, I'm with you. I would take him over Mostert and i probably take Carson and Vaughn over him. Carson is interesting to me. I, I like Carson. Obviously he's got a, a good setup there in Seattle as being the lead. guy, But I, I didn't notice until I was doing some drafts this year and I've got him in a couple of my C2C leads because he's been falling so late. He's on the last year of his contract. And so I'm kind of curious as to if Seattle will resign him or not. So if he goes somewhere else, I don't know if he'll get the opportunity he has in Seattle. So Carson worries me a little bit, but in the long run, I'd probably still take him over Ingram because he's got that age factor. And I do think even if even if he ends up going in somewhere as like maybe the backup of the time, someone gets hurt, Carson could easily come in and, and be the guy for that team. Uh just after him, Ronald Jones, Alexander Madison, and Tariq Cohen. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: Uh I'm probably uh, I'm taking all of them after Ingram. I, I just think Ingram is gonna he's gonna be over the next two to three years. A fairly consistent RB3. Um, Mm -hmm. I I just feel like he's going to – he doesn't fumble. He's a very capable pass catcher, and and he's a super good teammate. He's he's the kind of guy people want on their team. And and I think that makes it easy for coaches and GMs to go, hey, let's bring this guy in. I know we've got this marginal starter, but we know Ingram isn't going to come in here – and shit in the middle of the locker room and make all this chemistry shit worse. He's going to come in, and he's going to help prop that guy up, and he's going to earn whatever his share is, and he's going to push the team to be better because of how he is. So I, I think I like Ingram over all three of those guys.
1: Yeah, uh, the only one would be close for me. Would be Madison if I own Cook. If I had Cook, I'd probably take Madison just because I want to make sure I've got him. I, we we know Madison will likely be the guy if Cook goes down, uh, and so I'd want to have that kind of backfield uh, uh, short out there. J.K. Dobbins, RB twenty eight in twenty twenty, over or under?
2: Uh, I think he's going to be over. Uh, like I said, just because they're going to, it's there's going to be a decent amount of. Uh, sharing of the ball there in in Baltimore.
1: I agree. The only way I would see him being under is if he ends up vulturing a ton of touchdowns, if they end up just for whatever reason they get – Mark Ingram has a bunch of big runs, and then as he gets down there, they pull him and they put Dobbins in there. I can see him jumping over that. Other than that, I think he's going to be right around 30 to 32. I don't expect him much under 28, but I do expect him to be under that. ADP of 26.5. He is the 14th RB off the board. Just ahead of him, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, and Miles Sanders. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: No. As much as, as much free. as as big a Ohio State fan as I am, um, I, Eckler is probably the closest one for me. But it it your ADP of twenty six, yeah. I'm looking for a starter. You know that's three hundred two. So if I'm going three running backs, or even if even if I if if I go wide receiver heavy, I'm still going wide receiver heavy there, and I'm going to take the better value at wide receiver at pick 26 um, and, and wait even later on running backs. If I go to two running backs, um I, I'm probably not going to go with a rookie running back uh, as my third RB.
1: Yeah. I would, I would take him over all three, just cause I, I we, we know you're not getting much out of him this year, but I, we both think he's going to be the future in Baltimore. And I just think, In that kind of run scheme, we saw how good he could be with Justin Fields in Ohio State, and as much as it pains me to admit this, Lamar Jackson's probably better at that RPO than Justin Fields is. Uh, So I think Dobbins could be an absolute stud moving forward. So you maybe sacrifice this year a little bit to get Dobbins in the long run, so I would take him over all three. As much as I love Sanders, I would still take him over all three. Uh, Just after him, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, and Kenyon Drake. Would you take any of those three over Dobbins?
2: So, I'm probably taking Jones and Drake, um, just because I I expect. I, I just don't. I just don't have the faith in the third round at 302 that I'm going to get the production out of Dobbins that's going to that's going to help me win versus yeah. what I'm going to get from Drake and Jones. You know, I don't think Jones is going to get 19 touchdowns this year, but he could get 12 or 14. You know, if AJ Dillon, you know, was a uh, you know a goal line back and a short yardage back, we'd have probably seen it when he was at Boston College against weaker competition.
1: Yeah, I think, man, see, Jones, Jones is probably the closest for me. Uh, you know, technically, you could you could argue him and Drake are both kind of on one-year deals. I mean, Jones's contract is up this year, Drake on the transition tag. I actually like Swift. I was actually doing a little bit of research into this this weekend, and I don't think it's going to be quite the committee everybody else does. You know that they've actually used more of a, a one-back system the entire time Matt Patricia's been there and when Bevel came over last year. Like, the carry... The carry uh, – what's the word I want to look – what's the word I want to use here? Um, the
2: starting I, running back tends to get the majority of the
1: uh Well, it's, carries. it's by a lot more than people think. Like everybody thinks, oh, because, you know, I heard talking about today with uh, how like how big Bo Scarborough was last year. That was when on Johnson got hurt. Like when Carryon right. was the guy, the difference was on was getting like 18 carries compared to six. That's a pretty big difference. Then when he carried on got hurt, Bo Scarborough started getting more. And even when carry on came back, he was still getting a couple more carries than Bo Scarborough, even though Scarborough had done his really, a really good job of pretty much carrying the team while Johnson was out. So I think Swift is going to be, a lot of people are fading him because they just expect some kind of split committee backfield thing. But in, when Patricia first came over and it was Marshawn Lynch, he was out carrying everybody. Then they went to, Hang on. I don't know. I want to pull it up now because I, I did like a whole deep dive into this thing. I have all kinds of notes on it. I was debating on oh, – what would I do with it? Debating on writing an article about it uh, for Dynasty Nerds. And so when you had Michelle and Rawls in there, their splits were – Michelle was getting a lot until he got hurt. Then Rawls, Rawls came in and had a huge bunch of carries. Even Lacey was way above everybody until he got hurt. Mike Davis, like the carry splits was just ridiculous. Like Lacey in three games had 69 carries. The next closest was Mike Davis, who had 68 carries. That was five games. So that in Lacy's three games, two games less, he still had one more carry than Davis. Like it's not as split backfield as as people seem to think it was in Detroit. I, I, I don't understand it, or not Detroit. That was when uh, Bevel was with Seattle. I was trying to go back and look at Bevel's different stuff, but it's just insane to me that people seem to think it's going to be this committee backfield. All that to say, I would still take Dobbins over all three. Jones would be a coin flip for me because I just love, I love Aaron Jones, and there's a lot of chatter that the Green Bay Packers are looking to possibly re-sign him. I think uh, if they can get a good deal for him, I think they should. He's obviously proved he can be a really good back for them, especially when he's healthy. Uh, so he would be the closest one for me. I'd probably go Dobbins just because, I, as I, as this shirt says, oh, you Buckeye fan, I just can't. I draft with my heart too much, as we've we've mentioned on this podcast many a times. So uh Marquise Hollywood Brown, wide receiver 16 in 2020, over or under? I'm gonna say over. As am I, but I'm by not much. I kind of I think I had him in our ranks a lot lower than I think I'm gonna eventually have him. I, I've really kind of come around on him as the more I've looked at him. Uh, I think he could finish close to 16, but I'm gonna take the over for now as well. ADP of 63.83. He is the 32nd wide receiver off the board, just ahead of him. Debo Samuel, Tyler Boyd, and Stefan Diggs. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: Uh, It's close with Debo. I'm kind of falling uh, in and out of love with Debo. Yeah, I don't think the vo- – Diggs' volume is going to rival Brown's volume, so I would probably lean Diggs just – because I know I'm more comfortable with what I'm getting, but uh, I'm probably taking Boyd over the other three, all three of
1: them. Yeah, I think uh, I'd probably take him over Diggs and Samuel. I mean, Samuel worries me a little bit, just I love Samuel, he just seems to be injured a lot, and I'm really worried about it again. Another year coming in and being hurt already to start off the year. And I agree with you on Diggs. I do think that they're going to have the same kind of amount of volume. The difference is I think Hollywood Brown's a little bit more explosive, and so I think he can probably get you a couple more of those long touchdowns. I don't think Diggs necessarily gets you. Obviously, Brown a lot faster than Diggs, so I'd give him a little bit more upside on that. But I I am with you on Boyd is the easy smash over all of them for me as well. Just after him, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Parker. I would – I think easily take Landry over him just because that dude is like right here. He's going after wide receiver 32, and yet he always finishes as like a top 16 wide receiver in PPR scoring. Uh, And Gallup, I think, would be a coin flip for me. I'm really liking Gallup with his ADP and what I think he could do uh, this year for the Cowboys. Uh, What about you?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely taking Landry. I have Landry at wide receiver 24 so. Uh, I expect he's going to substantially outperform Brown. Um, You know, Gallup is one of my crushes from last year. And, you know, he had a thousand yard season. Um, That team is, you know, Dallas is going to be, I think they're going to have, they're going to have a powerful, powerful, powerful offense this year. Uh, Unless something goes haywire, you know, if, you know, if, all their quarterbacks get hurt and Kellen Moore going
1: yeah, to be come out of to retirement.
2: <laughs> if Kellen Moore has to come out of retirement or something, you know, I, I feel like Gallup is, is, is going to have a good year. Better than Brown at wide receiver 16. I don't think so. I, I think if, if Brown does end up at wide receiver 16, I think Gallup is, is, you know, they're right neck and neck. Um, and Parker, I, I just don't, I, I haven't bought into the consistency of the fifth year breakout yet. I just, I, I just can't buy that yet. Uh, no, I'm with I'm miss on.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm fine missing on Parker because if he does prove me wrong, I mean, good for him. Obviously I don't, I don't wish anything bad for, for any of these guys, but I'm just, I need to see it again with Parker. We, we've seen four years, as you mentioned, of him not doing anything. And then he finally breaks out. You're going to have to show me again before I believe that that's actually who you are. Uh, and, you know, I'm with you on the on the Preston Williams train. I mean, I think he's going to easily be one of the better wide receivers there as well. So, you know, I'll pass up on Barker's eight or par, par, Parker's ADP there and then grab Preston Williams like four rounds later and be just fine with it. Mark Andrews tied end two over or under.
2: Under I'm sticking to it over,
1: over, right? Tied over is good, in one, yeah. Over is good, under is bad, right? I can't remember now. That's what no. I said. We need Fox here. I don't know. I think we've been going back and forth. So you've got yeah. a tight end one.
2: I, you know, and, and as much as I, I love that call, you know, there is concern on my part about that with Kelsey just getting the volume. Kelsey has a dynamic quarterback. So if Kelsey finishes tight end one again, it's not going to surprise me one bit. Uh, I think that Kittle is going to have the same volume issues that uh, Andrews is going to have, but uh, I I like him. I'm going to stick with my tight end one.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go since I have to choose here, I'm going to go under just because I could see, as you just mentioned, Kelsey and Kittle kind of jumping up and, and doing their thing. But I would not be surprised if he finishes one or two. I just I think he's you know, you just mentioned it, Kelsey getting all the volume. I could I could honestly see Andrews getting all the volume this year, especially if we if we think that Lamar's passing um increases this year, it just means likely more targets, more catches, possibly even more touchdowns for Andrews. Uh he's has an ADP of thirty eight point eight three. He is the third tight end off the board. So, you know, dynasty startup or a Kelsey Kittle Andrews, Kelsey Kittle are the only ones going ahead of him. Would you take him over either one of those two for a dynasty startup?
2: Yes. Um it's a little closer. It's more of a five three two kind of split amongst my 10 teams. Um, with honestly Kelsey being the least owned. The least rostered just because of his age. You know, Kittle is young, younger. Andrews is younger. Um, oddly enough, of the three, Kittle is the only one I don't have rostered anywhere. <laughs>
1: I've got him in a couple places, but that's because of Dynasty Leagues where I took him obviously uh, coming out in the draft because he was one, one of those guys people kind of forget about. He was going to like third and fourth round of rookie drafts that, that year that he came out because not a lot of people were talking about him. That's the honestly the only reason I have him. Um, I would almost say for me, it's like an 80-10-10 split for me. I, I've been ending up with Andrews more than the other two just because he's still going so much later. He's going like in round four or five compared yeah, to
2: – He's going as the tight end three.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And and it seems obviously, especially in tight end premiums, which we kind of seem to be playing a lot of now, Kelsey and Kendall are going in at the end of round one or early to mid round two. And I just don't, I'd rather take a guy like Andrews three rounds later, because he's still going to bring back their value and is three rounds later. So you're still kind of being able to get those top running backs and wide receivers. Um, but I am with you on the Kelsey being my lowest one. Like if I had to split that better, it'd be 80-15-5. I, I, li- I still love Kittle, and I think he's the best of the three. Um, and Kelsey, while he's older, I know he just got the new contract, but I do expect him to not necessarily fade as in like fall off the map. but I I do, I do expect him to sooner rather than later not be one of those top tight ends like Andrews and Kittle. I could easily see Andrews Kittle being like up in that top group for like the next five, six years where I could see Kelsey maybe three more years, four, but then slowly start to fade off. Kind of like what we've seen with Zach Ertz. Ertz has been up there, and then last year he started to come down a little bit. Not much, but he dropped down into that four or five range. I kind of think we see the same thing with, uh, with Kelsey in a couple years.
2: Well, Kelsey was clearly feeling the heat from Ricky Seals-Jones because he uh, had him, uh, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh so after him uh where's my list oh Ingram Ertz and Waller uh I would not take any of them over over him I would say the the interesting one for me maybe uh I see I don't even know how to word it Ingram is interesting to me if I knew he could stay healthy because I do think he can produce like Andrews can but how much he's been injured is kind of what knocks him down to where I, I wouldn't do it but what about you
2: yeah, I, I I wouldn't take any of them. Uh, Ingram, I actually have him all the way down in my tight end eight, I, okay. because I don't trust him. If yeah. he falls to where the tight end eight is going, which I'm not sure where where that is, uh, then then I'm like, okay, yeah. well I'll take him. Uh, but I, I'm not I, I'm not interested in Ingram for, for that price. I'd rather go with Darius Slayton. I'll wait and take Slayton as as my wide receiver. I, you know, and I don't. Hate Ertz and Waller. Um, I, I've, you know, Waller is another one of those guys that, so, you know, he transitioned. It took a while. Now he's a full blown tight end, and he had a great season last year. But some of it, you know, how much of it was because there was literally everybody out wide got injured at some point and, and missed a bunch of time there in Oakland. Now that they're in Vegas, they added three wide receivers in the draft. They signed a couple free agents. Um, that makes me a little bit nervous about Waller. I'm still in on Ertz. I think er- Ertz is, uh, you know, he's going, I think, typically is a tight end four. And if you can get him in the seventh or eighth round, you know, late sixth, maybe I might grab him if I'm at the back end of the sixth round. Um but for the most, I'm not taking any of them over Andrews, no.
1: Yeah. All right, so the Pittsburgh Steelers, they finished 8-8 eight and eight last year, obviously had a ton of issues at quarterback. Uh, they did miss the playoffs, so they were in it till the last, uh, last week of the season. Would have made the playoffs had we been in the new format that we are in this year with the extra playoff teams getting in. Uh, are we expecting Pittsburgh to pick up where they left off at the end of 2018 coming into the 2020 season?
2: Well, I think they're going to be as good as they ever were so long as Ben's elbow holds up. Uh, that's really what it's going to come down to is can he still throw the ball? He looks good in practice. Uh, he looks fit. It looks, looks like he's put some work in, and, and he's trimmer than he's been in years. You know, they've got three good receivers in Juju and Johnson and Washington, so they have a good mix there. Adding Eric Ebron at tight end is uh I think been a highly underrated move. Uh as mu- and I you know, as a Detroit Lions fan, it doesn't get much more anti-Ebron than me. But I think I, I love the signing of Ebron in Pittsburgh. I think he could I think he could push for the type of numbers he had two years ago in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's all obviously going to hinge on on Ben and how that elbow is. You know, we'll I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit after we get through this other stuff. But being as big a baseball fan as I am, uh, coming back from Tommy John is not easy for these baseball guys. And the one thing I'll I'll make the comparison to to Ben is just like throwing a baseball or fastball, curveball, however you want to say it. It's all it's the same thing as the football. It's not a natural motion that your arm is supposed to do and the one thing with the Steelers is they do throw the ball 500 600 times which you know something that you could talk about with baseball players with them going out there and pitchers whether it's a bullpen starting pitcher they throw the ball a lot and it takes time to work that up it usually takes most MLB pitchers a little over a year to get back, and we're going to look at Big Ben's coming back not even a year later. So I do think that that is a big deal, Um, and that's my biggest thing that I think this whole offense hinges on because as we saw last year, Mason Rudolph's not the guy, Duck Hodges is not the guy, and if something happens to where Big Ben can't play, uh, Pittsburgh, I think, is going to be in really bad shape again this year. Uh, their new additions, I thought this was extremely interesting. Honestly, had no idea until I was doing the research for this. Uh, they signed Wendell Smallwood to a one-year contract, so there's that. I don't, I don't really know what that means. Uh, they drafted Chase Claypool in the second round. who Everybody's going crazy over now because of the catch he made uh, today in their first pad of practice. Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm with you. I'm just saying, everybody's going crazy over it, <laughs> and then they uh, they drafted Anthony all over short guy. All right, yeah, yeah, uh, and then Anthony McFarland in the fourth. Uh, they didn't have any key offensive losses, which is obviously good, but they're expiring contracts to very important players, in my opinion, Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. Their fantasy finishes, again, I I really didn't see a point putting any other QB on here. I really probably even shouldn't have put Ben on here, but Ben finishes QB 53 with 13.74 points. Again, only played really in a game and a half. He didn't even finish playing that second game. Uh, James Conner, RB 35, 145.5, only played in 10 games. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 39, 163.1. James Washington, wide receiver, 54, 133.5. Juju, wide receiver, 65, 113.2. I think he only played in nine games. I forgot to write that down, so I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. And then Ebron tight in 27, 86.5. This was all, all with the Colts, obviously, last year. So as I mentioned, Tommy John is a very serious injury what do you think that could mean for Ben? Do you think that he'll have any issues 2,500 times? Do you think they possibly move toward a more run heavy offense or you think it's just let, let it go. Ben's probably only got a couple years left. Let's just see what he's got.
2: Well, I, I think that how much they run the ball is going to be clearly dependent upon how healthy their running backs are. I know they like to run the ball. They like to have a balanced offense. Um, but under Tomlin and Cower and Knoll, it's historically been a run-the-ball type of team. They they run the ball to set up the pass, and they're not shy about throwing the ball with Ben, uh, as evidenced by his 500-plus uh, pass attempts numerous times. So, you know, it, it comes down it comes down to... What type of throws, you know, is he going to end up being a dink and dunker? Is is he going to trust the elbow? It'll be interesting to watch reports coming out of camp to see does he really let it fly? You know, I I think with you you talked about baseball players taking a year and a half to recover, probably seven months, six, seven, eight months of that is mental. It's getting to the point where they're like, I know I can cut this loose. And my arm is going to be okay, you know. You do the surgery, you do the rehab, and then you just start building up the strength, and then you just have to get over over that. Well, will it break if I do it? You know, they yeah. t- uh, one of the pictures going around the internet right now is of on Johnson in practice wearing a knee brace. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's so the knee isn't healed," and so many times it's it just comes down to how comfortable am i you know i I, i'm gonna wear quarterbacks oftentimes wear knee braces after injuries for the rest of their career so will will ben have the faith in that arm
1: yeah i don't uh just to touch on the carry-on thing i'm not worried about it i heard them talking about it today and Someone brought up a really good point on on SiriusXM Radio, and I agree with them. I think a lot of those guys are going to be wearing braces and everything just because this completely different offseason than they've ever experienced. They're going to have less practice time and everything. We've already seen it today. Multiple players coming out with soft tissue injuries. A.J. Green with the hamstring. There was other players who had different soft tissue injuries. If You can wear a knee brace to kind of help make sure you don't do anything to your leg. I'm going to wear the knee brace right now because it's just practice. So I, I'm not reading anything into that, and I do agree with you. Uh, I, I think it's – I almost think they have to to lean a little bit heavier on the run game. I could be wrong. I said I'm not a not a doctor. I should have reached out to to Fantasy PT Matt and asked him what he thought about this because he obviously does a really good job. That we've had him on here before. Uh, he knows his stuff. I, I really should have tried to reach out to him and ask him before we did this today just his thoughts on what that could mean because I – said, as a big baseball fan, Tommy John's the one thing I can bring into this and just be like, man, it's. I just don't see him being able to sling it 500, 600 times and being okay. So I do think they'll at least have to lean on the run a little bit uh, but that does bring us to an interesting conundrum here. You brought up the fact that they would lean on the run game probably more if they knew everybody could be healthy. You know, Connors already suffered in, suffering injuries, suffered injuries his entire career. Samuels looked ineffective last year after looking good his rookie season. They do have Snell and McFarland probably competing for that third role here. So what exactly are you doing for this bat field when it comes to fantasy?
2: Well, if I can get Connor cheap as my RB3, you know, I don't mind that. Um, I've got him in one spot. I have him as an RB2 on the team. I, you know, the, even in 10 games last year, he only averaged 11.6 carries per game, uh, and he only had 38 targets. Pittsburgh historically likes to favor you. You were talking about Daryl Bevel and you know his the misnomer that he likes a committee. Pittsburgh is very much the same way, they want, they want one guy to handle the load and yeah. whoever it's going to be. I, I, I think that surprised a lot of people when Benny Snell stepped in. They're like, oh, well, Snell will get first and second down, and somebody else will get third down, but he didn't. It, it was Snell. They they liked Snell, and from all reports we've I've seen so far, Snell has looked real good in practice uh, this off season as well. You know, Snell clearly has limitations. He's not fast. Uh, he's not going to get fast, um, but he he's a running back that has good vision. So as long as he's moving forward, I think he's going to be productive. Um, Jalen Samuels, there's talk about him being on the outs. And uh, yeah. I know a lot of people really like McFarland and, and it's not that I hate McFarland, but I'm just, I'm waiting to see, you know, how much how much of what they love about him comes from that one Ohio State game. I mean, yeah. that's a, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me as an Ohio State fan that's etched on my memory. And whenever I hear the name, that's what plays in my head. I mean, last year against Ohio State, he didn't have near as good a game, but he was injured.
1: Yeah, just like when someone brings up Rondale Moore, just conjures just conjures memory or nightmares of what he uh, what he did to us when they just beat the crap out of us uh, there at Purdue. Yeah, I, if, if for fantasy was, I'm probably if we're talking dynasty startup or even probably redraft, I might just be leaning Snell. Just because he's the cheapest out of all of them, and I think obviously if Connor gets hurt, I think Snow could step in and probably do something. Uh, I am with you on uh, Samuels. There's been a lot of talk that he may not even make the team, so I'm kind of completely fading him. Uh, and McFarland, I'm with you. I just see him more as a change of pace guy. I don't see him being a guy who's going to come in and carry it 20 times a game. Now he could come in and, and give you some of those big plays. He might be a guy that you know, as like a dart throw flex here and there, if it ends up coming down to something where Connor's hurt, Samuel gets cut and it's Snell and McFarlane, you know, throw McFarlane. you might get that one week where he gets you 20 points. Cause he gets you a couple long touchdown plays, or he gets you like five cause he gets you like maybe 50 yards on, on 13 carries or something like that. I'm not, I'm not expecting a lot out of McFarlane. I think Snell could be the future there. He's not, he, he's built like a, a prototypical back but he just doesn't have the explosiveness that I liked, so why wasn't as high on him coming out last year uh, but I think if Connor gets hurt it's gonna come down to Snell and McFarlane because I just don't think Samuel showed last year he can't carry the load at all and so if I have to buy into one at Snell just because he's going so much later than the others uh, damn it I did not put his ADP on here I'll, I'll look that up here in a minute but I know he's going much later than the other uh, than at least Connor and Samuels are. Uh, so assuming Big Ben is back and at least, let's say, 80 to 95% or even 100% healthy, are you expecting a bounce-back year from Juju?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, can't get a whole lot worse, can it? <laughs>
1: no, it <Yeah>. can't.
2: <laughs> I mean, 70 targets and 42 catches after – you know, I don't know that – Ju. I don't think Juju is Antonio Brown, you know. He's not going to be that level of receiver. He's not a guy that's going to challenge for top five every year. But Juju can be a top 15, top 18 guy every year. A lot of it is going to depend on is there offensive balance and is there somebody to occupy some of the other defensive backs. You know, James Washington had a decent year last year. He he led them in yards. Ah, uh, he's a deep threat, bigger receiver. Uh, Deontay Johnson kind of came out, uh, looked really well. What well, I think he came out of Toledo, so there's uh, you know that transition from a small school to the NFL. So they do have the potential of three very very good receivers. No, none of them actually being elite. So I think where Juju is being drafted and um might be a little bit rich for my blood, but I do think that he can have a bounce back with Ben. And and I think Ben is going to, you know, Ben didn't really play with Deontay Johnson last year. Um, And uh, Washington was kind of still working his way up the depth chart uh, when when Ben was healthy the year before. So Juju is going to be the guy he's the most comfortable with.
1: So before I give my thoughts on Juju, Benny Snell, holy crap. He's going behind McFarland even. He's going as the fourth oh, RB yeah. off that list. I I thought he was going ahead of McFarland. So he's RB 76 off the board, 224.6 is his ADP. That is ridiculous. So oh, yeah. Like I, I'm, definitely, I mean, I'm definitely all in on Snell.
2: He, he's not somebody that's going to, you, you know, you're not going to, he's not a set it and forget it guy. Yeah. But if. If something happens to Connor, he he's definitely a flex worthy guy yeah, exactly. on a week to week basis.
1: Yeah, so that's a guy. I mean, look, what's two twenty four? I mean, I'm horrible at math. Let's see here, two twenty four divided by twelve is what? That's eighteen rounds. I mean, that's it. Like in my home redraft league, that's our last round right there. Like I I'm easily taking a guy like Snell because I, the same thing. You know, Connor has improved. he can stay healthy. And I don't think Samuels can be the guy. So if you're telling me you can get a guy like Snell, who again, yeah, he's not going to put up those RB one or two numbers, but a guy you could probably put in your flex every single week and be like, you know what? We know Pittsburgh's going to run the ball. If they get down toward the end zone, they're probably just going to hand the ball off to Snell and see what he can do. I'll take it all day over where you're getting guys like Connor and, and Samuels. So yeah, I'm, I am definitely now all in on uh, Benny Snell. As for Juju, I'm with you. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in our wide receiver episode a couple weeks ago. You know, I think we all kind of got enamored with Juju that first year with Antonio Brown. And we all kind of, the numbers he put up were like, he's a one. He's going to be a one. When Antonio Brown left, we were like, hey, it's all right. They've got Juju. I have come back a little bit. I do think Juju is a really good two, and I think he's proven that. And I, I expect him to come back and do that easily. Could he put up wide receiver one numbers? Absolutely, if they continue to throw the ball as much as they do and have in Big Ben there. Uh, but I do think Juju is uh, likely shown that he is a high-end wide receiver two, and there's nothing wrong with that because uh, he does have that wide receiver one upside. I am curious. I, I didn't have this on here, but I'll ask you really quick. We have seen Pittsburgh has always been kind of – very hesitant to pay their wide receivers. I think they've really only extended Antonio Brown and they did it before that season started. They've been very open about, they do not negotiate contracts during the year. So we're, I kind of feel like we're already into that, into the year mode. They haven't extended Juju. So do you think he could possibly be back with Pittsburgh next year or he goes somewhere else?
2: I I feel like he's going to have to go on a team friendly deal they are not going to offer him Antonio Brown kind of money. So if if he's comfortable with top 15, top 18 wide receiver money, then I think they'll get the deal done in no time. But if he's sitting there going, well, you've seen me perform at a top 10 level. So I want top 10 money. You know, Pittsburgh's going to go, we've seen a lot of players perform at top 10 level. Uh, Occasionally, like you do, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna let you follow the path of you know Mike Wallace and uh, Emmanuel yeah. Sanders
1: and you know we, uh, we've Antonio got yeah, yeah, they've had a lot of good wide receivers leave there. Yeah. So yeah,
2: and, and you know they they have a budget, they have a program, they have a plan, and unless you are truly you know Heinz Ward or Antonio Brown, you know they're they're not gonna pay up for you.
1: And, and I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with that. Like the, I hate giving the Steelers credit on anything, but the one thing I've always said about them, number one, they've always been a very class organization and they have, and I would say this about the, about Baltimore too. It's kind of the worst part about being a Browns fan is that Pittsburgh and Baltimore seem to have like some of the best front offices in the NFL every single year with how they approach everything. And so, if they don't pay Juju, I, I I wouldn't be surprised because they seem to grab all these wide receivers, and they're they're the wide receiver you, if you want to use a college term, like with with right. DBU and all this. Like they always seem to find these wide receivers and be able to to grow them and produce them. And so, if they don't pay Juju, I have no doubt that that means they just really believe in Deontay Johnson, Washington, Claypool, and there's someone else that they draft that I can't think of off the top of my head at the moment. Uh, but uh, that just means they believe in those guys and I'm going to trust them because they have that tr- proven track record. As we just talked about all those guys that have come through uh, them, through them drafting I and mean, none of those guys they traded for anything. They all drafted and produced those guys. So everybody is kind of on the Deontay Johnson breakout this year. It seems like that's kind of, uh, you know, you know, Everybody and their mother knows about, that was Chris Godwin last year. Everybody said Chris Godwin was going to break out. So this year it seems to be Deontay Johnson. Are you on that train that you think Deontay Johnson is going to be a breakout? And do you think that kind of ends the James Washington experiment or do you think he has any kind of fantasy value?
2: Oh, I think Washington definitely has fantasy value. Um, I, I think it's more along the lines of, um, Deshaun Jackson, but as far as, uh, Deontay Johnson, you know, it is a situation where when you see a team do something over and over and over when it comes to identifying, uh, players, eventually you just got to believe them. Now, is he going to be an elite talent? I don't know. He's going to be very good. I think we've seen that, um, and so let's let's buy into Deontay Johnson top twenty four um, potential. That's where I'm at. I'm not ready to say, oh, he's he's elite. I think Pittsburgh is in a situation where they're going to have where Dallas has three potential elite wide receivers. Pittsburgh has three potential very good wide receivers. There's a separation amongst those three. Um, it, it it'll be fun to watch um, because it, if is does Ben develop a chemistry with just one of them, or is he gonna spread it around? Uh, is he gonna rely on you know Juju whenever he needs something from the slot? Is it gonna be James Washington whenever he needs something deep? How interchangeable will the three of those guys get? Because while Washington is the biggest of the three, it's not like he's – he's not Mike Evans big. Yeah. Uh, And and the other two guys, they're not like Julian Edelman small. So they're fairly – they're they're not that far apart in size. I don't know that Washington quite has the quickness to run some of the routes inside. But he – it's going to be – I I could see – all three of these guys, if Ben's, Ben's elbow is good um, and he throws it, let's say, 550 times, I could see all three of them finishing top 30. But none of them may be finishing over top 18.
1: Yeah, um, I'm actually kind of in on James Washington. You know, it's it's interesting. It's only his third year in the league. I think I think people seem to think he's been in the league longer than he has been. He actually had a fairly good rookie season for a guy that – played in a offense that's not conducive to the NFL whatsoever comes in. And I remember, um, I don't remember if it was against the Browns or I know it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a primetime game. He runs the wrong route. He dives for a ball. He wasn't supposed to big Ben is like chewing his ass out on the sideline, talking about how he's just not ready to be a a wide receiver or a, a, you know, NFL starting wide receiver. Comes back last year and then obviously doesn't play with with Big Ben much. He he got stuck with with, uh, Duck Hodges and uh, Mason Rudolph. I kind of feel like this could be a good year for him. We've talked about before, not every wide receiver breaks out that first year or second year. A lot of guys we saw kind of it took that third year to break out. This could be the year. You're going to have a lot of people focusing in on Juju, a lot of people focusing in on Deontay Johnson because everybody seems to think he's going to have a good year because he did step up and kind of become the guy last year with Juju down and with all the backup quarterbacks still was able to make a pretty good year for himself. I think James Washington could have a a quietly very good year here. He's a guy you can get late in drafts. My bet is I didn't put him on this ADP list either. I did, and he is going very late in these drafts. So he's a guy kind of like I just talked about with Snell. I might be targeting more than any of these other wide receivers just because he could end up having a good year, and I think – with Juju moving on, he's going to be there for likely two more years. He could, or this year and next year, could be a guy that they kind of build around with Deontay Johnson at least for the next couple of years. Uh, I know you you mentioned Ebron earlier, but just kind of want to clarify for sure. You are all Ebron over McDonald?
2: Yeah, uh, I guess you know Vance broke my heart last year. <laughs> he, you know, he, it was just one of those. He he looks good yeah. when he's good. Vance Vance is good. But he's you know, he makes Evan Ingram look reliable with his health. So it's just a situation where I I feel like Ebron will be the healthier. He's naturally a better pass catcher, and I, I just think he's gonna get the playing time. And so I'm Ebron over over McDonald.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think you mentioned it earlier. When we were talking about the what we expected from Pittsburgh this year. Uh, I easily could see the same thing you said. The the Ebron we saw of the Colts a couple years ago doing the same thing, just based on on the situation he's in and and where they will likely use him. So we are going to do uh, over unders now. So Ben QB 19. I have the over on him. Uh, I'm. You know, obviously had a a decent 2018. He's been good for the past couple years, but I'm taking the over on him. Uh, I will continue talking as Dennis is handling something real quick. uh, Or What do you got? Over or under?
2: I'm going to say, you know, I feel like Ben's going to be around QB 15, so I'm going to say under.
1: Okay. Interesting. All right. He's got an ADP of 221.83. He's the 28th QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew and Ryan Tannehill. Are you taking him over any of those three?
2: I'm probably taking him over Teddy and Minshew. Uh I like Tannehill.
1: Yeah, I think I think I'd go somewhat the opposite way. I'd take him over Minshew and Tannehill. I've been all in on Teddy and the Panthers, so I can't give up on them now. So I'd take Teddy over uh, Big Ben. Just after him, Jameson Winston, uh, Tyrod Taylor, and Jordan Love. Would you take any of those three over Big Ben?
2: Nope.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Connor, RB20 in 2020, over or under?
2: Man, that's a good number. If he is healthy all season, I'm going to say under. I feel like he's a top 16 back if he okay. stays healthy. So, and I am going to uh, bet on health.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. If he if he stays healthy, I would go under easily there. Uh, if not, obviously, I'm, I'm not even just necessarily the o- over if it's only, you know, a couple games here and there. I think if he's beat up all year, he's just not going to put up the number. So if he's able to stay healthy. I am with you on that. ADP of 65.83. He is RB25 off the board. Just ahead of him, Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, and David Montgomery. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: Uh, I'd take him over Singletary. Um, It's kind of a coin flip with Hunt, but I'm taking Montgomery out of the four of those guys.
1: Yeah, I think... I would take Hunt and Montgomery. I think Singletary would be a coin flip for me. I just I think all three of their positions are somewhat safer than Connor at the moment. Uh, after Darius Geis, David Johnson, and Le'Veon Bell, would you take any of those three over Connor?
2: Um, definitely not taking Darius Geis. Yeah. Um I might take Bell. I I, I feel like Bell is low-key gonna have a really good year this year. Um and while I'm in on a David Johnson bounce back, uh, I don't think he's going to be top twenty. I think DJ will be around the RB two, RB three line, uh, but I'd take Bell over him.
1: I, I think I would. I'd take Connor over all three of them. I, I'm with you. Bell would be the closest, but I'm. I, I'd probably lean Connor over those three. Juju wide receiver fourteen in 2020 over or under. Over. I will take the over, but just barely. Um, I'm I'm really kind of digging Juju this year. ADP twenty one point eight three. Wide receiver seven off the board. Just ahead of him, Hopkins, Godwin, and Moore. Would you take him over any of those three? Nope. Just behind him, Mike Evans, AJ Brown, and Amari Cooper. Would you take any of those three over Juju?
2: Oh, I definitely take Mike Evans. Um... Uh, i feel like cooper's still in for a good year at uh gosh wide receiver at seven wide right re- now seven that's
1: yeah
2: uh i think i boy i don't I I don't think I would take Brown or Cooper over him, but I certainly I don't think I'd take Brown or Cooper at wide receiver <laughs> yeah, seven. Oh,
1: I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah, Evans would be the one for me as well. Uh Brown, Cooper. I just I think all three of those, Brown, Cooper, and Juju are all kind of in the same group. I don't I don't think any of us had any of them in the top twelve. Uh, I don't expect any of them to finish around there. So I, I'd probably still go Juju, just because at that point I, I just like him a little bit more than I do Brown Cooper. Uh, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 30 in 2020 over or under.
2: Uh, that's a good number. Um, I am, let's see, I'm going to put it as slightly under like 29 and a half.
1: All right. Yeah. I'm going to go under as well. I have, I think right around 26, 27. I, as much as I keep trying to fade away from the Deontay Johnson breakout, people, more and more people keep seeing him talk, talk me into it uh adp of 82.33 he is wide receiver 40 off the board just ahead of him Miko hardman nicole nicole harry nakiel harry my goodness and christian kirk would you take him over any of those three
2: uh i'd take him over hardman it'd be a coin flip with kirk but i like harry a lot i don't i wouldn't take him over harry
1: yeah, I think i um, I actually probably take him over all three. Um, just I, I agree, even though I don't like Harry as much as you do, uh, he would be coin flip for me, but I'd probably go Johnson. Just after him, you Brandon Cooks, and T. Higgins. Would you take any of those three over him?
2: Well, so let's see. We're at wide receiver forty. This is so forty. Yeah. We're in the we're in the wide receiver forty fours. So theoretically, I already have three wide receivers. So I'm probably going to take Johnson, Ayuk, and Higgins all over Cooks. Um, And I'm probably... So Higgins probably isn't going to play. So do I want to spend that much capital on somebody that's going to get very little playing time? Uh, I don't know. I'm probably going Johnson over all three of them.
1: Yeah, for me, um, I'd probably go Ayuk and Higgins. I agree with you. Neither one of them is probably going to get much. Well, I think Ayuk could get some playing time this year. I agree with you on Higgins, though. Uh, But I think both of those are kind of the futures of their teams. Uh, Deontay Johnson might be the future of Pittsburgh, but I think the future of Pittsburgh is more bleak uh, than the other two because I don't think Big Ben has much longer. And I think once Ben's gone – Depending on the quarterback they bring in, they may not be quite as pass-heavy as they have been with Ben there. Uh, so give me Higgins and IU. I, I love hit the pig pairing of Higgins and Burrow. I think those two are going to be good for a long time. Uh, my goodness, I don't know why I was about uh, James Washington, wide receiver 42, over or under?
2: Uh, I'm going to give him a slight under.
1: As am I. As I mentioned just a minute ago, I'm kind of getting more and more here into James Washington having a good year. ADP 145, he is wide receiver 62 off the board. So just ahead of him, his teammate Chase Claypool. Then you got Sterling Shepard and Julian Edelman. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: definitely take him over Claypool. I have not bought into Claypool. Um, Edelman is a, a... interesting situation well he's getting towards the end of his career um he should get lots of volume still this year and probably next year um so i i don't know that that's a little uh, that's a that's a tough one i'd have to i'd have to look at my team closely yeah. you know it comes do do i do i need points more this year or can i wait uh, Shepard, I think I like Shepard over, over Washington.
1: All right. I would, um, I think I'd take him over Shepard and Claypool. The only Shepard, Edelman, I think I'd for sure go over him just cause I always, it's something we've always talked about. I, I'm always kind of, when I'm doing drafts, I'm expecting to, or at least hoping to compete that year. I think Edelman gives me that for the next two years as a, is a competing uh top end wide receiver because he still brings you that ppr value and i think he can do that with cam newton Shepard would be the coin flip because his health just worries me we haven't seen any health issues with james washington it's just been a little bit of inconsistency so Shepard washington be a coin flip easily take him over claypool uh same as you there Jay, uh john brown golden tate and Allen lazard are all going behind washington would you take any of those three over him
2: you know, I just I can't seem to buy into Alan Lazard. Yeah. As as much as it seems like maybe he's the one to finally develop that wide receiver two chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, I just just don't buy it. Uh, I and so I feel like even though Washington is gonna have some ups and downs as the deep threat. I feel like he's going to be more consistent than Lazard. Um I'm not into John Brown. Golden Tate, I'm probably taking Golden Tate. I I feel like there's at least one more year of Golden Tate.
1: All right. Yeah, I think Tate would be the coin flip one for me. I, I'm I just don't know what to think with Lazard. I mean, I think everybody's buying into him because of how much Aaron Rodgers likes him. And obviously, as we've talked about before, that's a big deal for Green Bay. If Rodgers likes you, you're likely going to get some volume. Uh, But I think I I probably have to see it a little bit more with Lazard. So if I had to choose, I'm going to take Washington over him right now. Tate would be a coin flip. Definitely going over him. uh, John Brown as well. Eric Ebron, tight end 14 over or under.
2: I'm going to take the under.
1: Interesting. All right. I think I'm going to go under as well. 80 198. I, I, I believe
2: that's an update from my uh, original ranks. So I'm going to have to do an update before we release them on the drive in podcast uh, consensus yeah. rankings.
1: I'm uh I am glad that you, you know, have finally let that spiteful part in your heart go after what he did to you and you, and the De- other Detroit Lions fans and you're starting to come back around on Ebro.
2: Look man, you only have him two spots ahead of me so
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't get all high high and mighty. <laughs> uh
1: so ADP of 198.83, he is tied in 28 off the board, just ahead of him Devin Asiasi, David Njoku, and OJ Howard. Would you take him over any of those three? <sighs>
2: Uh, I'm probably taking him over all of them.
1: Interesting. All right. Um,
2: I know I, I, think I, Injoku I would
1: be the close one for me and I,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I expect Njoku to be the highest scoring Cleveland tight end, but even as such, I do still only have him at tight end 20 Howard, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he, he's definitely, He's gonna be Delaney Walker. He's gonna be the guy who spends his first contract on a team that doesn't use him, and then he's gonna to go to someplace like the Titans and have eight or nine really good years.
1: Don't say the Titans, because I'm all in on John U. Smith, so I don't need him to go there. You can go somewhere else. Go Washington. Send him to Washington. They need a tight end. That'd be a great place for him. Uh, But, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Uh, and would be the close one for me because uh, almost kind of like what we were just talking about with Howard, I could easily see Njoku going to another team like a Washington and all of a sudden becoming a complete stud. I I do think that, and I've said it before, he was having a really good year last year before he got hurt. I really think he was kind of finally starting to turn it around and unfortunately just kind of broke his wrist and, and wasn't able to recover from there. Uh, Just behind Ebron, uh, Will Disley, Cole Komet, and Dawson Knox. Would you take any of those three over him? Nope. So, if this were like a week ago, I would have said the same thing. I'm kind of coming around on Cole Komet. Um, I I watched a little bit more of his tape there. You're you're drinking that camp highlight Kool-Aid? No, well, the camp stuff, Yeah, I haven't seen any highlights, so I don't know. I haven't watched anything on him, but... Man, the the talk coming out of there, they really seem to love him. Uh, We know that Matt Nagy has talked about how bad he wants a tight end. That's why they signed Trey Burton when they did. And if they can get Cole Komet to be what they wanted Trey Burton to be, I think Cole Komet could be really good for him. So commit I think I'd take over him I am starting to buy in a little there's got to be that one guy every year that people fall in love with and based on camp talk and that's going to probably be the one for me this year I've heard a lot of different stuff about him I'm I'm really kind of starting to like him there as a as a the long-term tight end for the Bears uh so that will do it for the Ravens and the Steelers Uh, we will actually be doubling up as I mentioned last week on the previews this week we're going to try and knock that out so we can start to completely knock out the rest of the the preview stuff for the 2020 season so we will have the Bengals and the browns on thursday's episode i think i know for sure we'll have matt back with us i don't know if tony will be joining us or not he's got some stuff going on so at worst at least the three of us will be back here on thursday so we will be back thursday talking at browns and Bengals. until then everybody have a great day so did you look at
0: prepare for glory I don't know if you got I came out the wrong line already. It is he's the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the lead. Golly. Only oh, they tackle the before he Who can make a play? I can.
1: Who can make a play? I can. I can.